Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, our Winnipeg Jets off-season talk officially gets underway with a look at the forwards. What's needed? An Andrew Kopp conundrum, as well as free agent and trade targets for the Jets. Let's go! Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Super excited to get things going here for two reasons. One, we're finally kicking off our offseason preview, so we finally get to talk some Jets and what's on tap for the next couple of weeks and, and few months here. But two... Just got double vaxxed earlier today. So Monday afternoon, went in for my appointment. I'm just extremely happy and, and optimistic right now. I do feel like a bag of crap, not going to lie. So forgive me if my energy isn't super high right out of the gate, but I'll, I'll take it for sure. Uh, but huge thanks to all the workers at the Leela Super Center. The staff was outstanding. Everything was really organized. Everyone was great. I had an appointment. My wife got in pretty quickly as a walk-in. So if you don't have one yet, head down there. Maybe this week you can grab something, get the jab, and then, you know, hopefully we're getting out of this mess sooner than later. Plus, if we have a huge summer, maybe we're getting 15,000 plus at the rink for game one of 82 next season. So let's get to the reason why you're here. And that's Winnipeg Jets offseason talk. I love doing stuff like this, actually, because I've always been a huge fan of hypotheticals. Maybe it's, you know, playing NHL, uh, the video game for like the past decade. But I've always been a huge fan of hypotheticals and everybody has a path their favorite team can take, which leads to immediate success and championships and all that. And I'm no different. So we'll start our offseason preview Looking at the forwards today before we shift to the big one next week, which will be the defense core. So before we get into potential changes and new additions, whether it's the trade or the free agent market, let's take stock of what the Winnipeg Jets have up front going into next season that we know we can maybe just pencil in instead of pen, but we can pencil them in for the 2021-2022 campaign. I know there's concern, and rightfully so, about the defensive play of the forwards, but just putting that aside for the second, there's still a lot to like here. And I feel like there needs to be some changes when it comes to time on ace next season, but the Jets really do have a loaded top six skill-wise. Just loaded, followed by a really good third line 
with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. So, I mean, if Nikolai Ehlers is going to be a right winger, then his 1655 needs to be switched with Blake Wheeler's 1820 when it comes to time on ice. And I think that settles that third of the ice. Mark Shifley, even with the suspension and the, the off-ice drama at the end of the year, you know, it's easy to forget that he was on pace for almost 100 points last year, which is obviously extremely elite production. And then you have Connor and Cobb on the left side, a high-end goal scorer, and then an absolute jack-of-all-trades. There's a lot to like when it comes to the high-end skill of this team, and there's no doubt. I mean, that's the toughest thing to find with a forward group. I think you can pick and choose when it comes to the, the grit and the size and, and some of the elements that I think are a lot easier found elsewhere each and every year. But when you've got that locked and loaded and ready to go, the Jets, at the very least, have that part, the good part, ready to go for next season. Now, the bad is the expansion draft could poach a key player. PLD is a major wild card as to what to expect out of him next season. And the fourth line is a complete unknown. In fact, the Jets don't have one, which we'll get to in just a sec. We'll talk about the expansion draft too in a bit. But I want to touch on the big name right there. Pierre-Luc Dubois, because there's no doubt in my mind that he has the most pressure to perform on the Jets next season. It's a contract year for him, and this is coming off a nightmare season that you just never saw him get his footing with the Jets. And I've mentioned this countless times, and look, I think his situation can be explained away due to difficult circumstances, and, and really, you know, getting traded in a pandemic-shortened season the quarantine, a lot of that stuff is really unlikely to happen ever again, we really hope. you know. But having said that, that's not an excuse for next season. So he's got to be a difference maker, no doubt about it. And I think anything less, honestly, than 60 points and solid two-way play is a major disappointment out of him. He's just he's too talented not to reach that. So I think that's kind of the floor of what we should expect from Pierre-Luc Dubois next season. 60 points. And I think he can do it. Like, I'm actually pretty confident that with a, a good offseason under his belt, maybe even the lure of a big payday on the horizon, that we see a motivated and ready-to-go PLD, which makes for a very, very intriguing lineup up front next season. Now, we'll look at the UFAs and the RFAs in just a sec, but we do have to give a quick shout-out as well to our friends over at DraftKings because the basketball playoffs are underway in a big way. Now down to the final four, and DraftKings is still offering you a chance at $10,000 every day with their free-to-play pools. Super easy to sign up. You download the DraftKings app, you click pools, and you choose from a bunch of different free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes, answering super easy questions along the way like who scores first and who will hit the most threes. I can guarantee you, you do not pick the 76ers for that because nobody will hit any shot for them, but I digress. Still, DraftKings will have a chance for you for the rest of the basketball playoffs, minus the 76ers, to win some big-time money. So download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN. For a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Back to the UFAs and the RFAs for the Winnipeg Jets next season. 
looking at the UFAs in the forward rank leads me back to my point about the fourth line because there isn't one right now in the organization. But before that even, we have to talk about one of the biggest names with the club, and that's Paul Stasny, who is slated to hit the open market this offseason. Just over a half point per game this year, soon to be 36 years old, coming off a contract that saw him make just a shade over $6 million per season. You guys know how I feel. I'm the unofficial prez of the Paul Stasny fan club. I think every team needs a guy like that. So obviously, 100% would love to see him return to the team next year. I think at his age, we're only going to see Stasny get a one-year deal regardless of where he signs. And I think a fair number, you know, even coming off making just over 6 mil, I think a fair number would be 3 to 3.5 mil. A one-year deal at around that number, I think the Jets can at least be competitive with him in the open market. For that I don't even hesitate to bring Paul Sassney back, right? I, I think I, I think that's good value if, if you're going to get, you know, never mind just the intangibles of what he brings, which is immense. He's got winger and center eligibility for you, and he's going to get you around a half a point a game. To me, three mil is it's great value on that. I do think it's probably 50-50, though, whether or not we do see Paul Sassney back with the Jets. There are certainly going to be some contenders that quite frankly have better rosters than Winnipeg right now that can offer him a chance at a cup for next season, let alone the fact that there are, you know, more desirable destinations on top of it. You know, his forward team in Colorado comes to mind. Won't be shocked at all if they try to get a guy like Paul Stasny on maybe uh, a bit of a hometown discount there. But we'll see. I mean, at the very least, he likes it here, obviously, because he (laughs) waived his no-trade clause when no other human being has done so to come to Winnipeg. Likes his teammates, he's good friends with the captain, so at the very least, the Jets have a shot, but that's kind of a, an under-the-radar thing when it comes to the Jets' offseason so far, because there's been so much talk and smoke about you know, the expansion draft and the blue line that the Jets will have a pretty big hole to fill if Paul Stasny goes elsewhere for next season. The Jets have four other UFAs up front, and I think we see all four of those leave for different locations. Matthew Perot was one of those. He had a bit of a resurgence this past year. He was pretty good, actually. But it seems like Chevy in the postseason presser was ready to move on. I mean, there wasn't a ringing endorsement for Matthew Perot. So that ends a seven-year run with the Jets, which is pretty crazy. I, I didn't realize it had been that long. So one of the, I guess, the longest tenured members of Jets 2.0, I imagine he finds a new home next season. And I imagine that contract is a big pay cut from his previous four-plus million dollar cap hit. I think he can still provide value for a fourth line, no doubt about it. And I think he gets a one-year, one-and-a-half to two million dollar deal, something like that. I think he would be helpful for the Jets, but I just feel like that ship has passed right now. And we'll see him move on. Although, having said that, the Jets are going to have to find a way to replace the basically 30 paints he was on pace for if it was an 82-game season. So... That's another hole we'll see the Jets fill. Maybe that one is done internally with some candidates that we'll talk about in just a second. Then you have Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis, and Dominic Toninato. I love Toninato. That name is just outstanding. But all three said to hit the market. Thompson, I think, for sure is done. He might be done in the NHL as well. 36 going on 37. I actually didn't mind Trevor Lewis this past season. I thought he was pretty good on the fourth line. Uh, but I doubt we see him back. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. The same with Dominic Toninato. So if that's the case, that really leaves 
an entire line, the fourth line up for grabs next year. So how do the Jets fill that? Now, I honestly, and I think a lot of people are in this camp too, wouldn't mind seeing an all-youth line out there where you take Jansen Harkins, Christian Veselainen, and, and maybe a David Gustafson as well. They get a crack at some playing time together, and maybe you get for the first time in Jets 2.0 history a fourth line with speed and talent and skill and something that can potentially, you know, put some fear into the opposition. Or at least be a threat to score when they go out there. But it's just, it's hard to forget Paul Maurice's comments, which, you know, to be honest, I dislike more and more each day. But about how those three players in particular are way less impactful than the veterans that preceded them this year. So, you know, as, as much as I think a lot of us would like to see something like that happen, that is pretty pie in the sky. I imagine what we do see happen is two guys... A couple of veterans into their 30s are brought into the fold to take some spots there. And then we see a Harkins, a Veselainen, or a Gustafson grab the other spot. It's unfortunate because I think there is some potential with, you know, if it's those three or three other youngsters, I don't even care, honestly, to have a fourth line that's a bit of a spark plug for you. But we have to go with what the organization's MO has been for a long time, and that has been... You know, Paul Maurice and Kevin Chevalayoff clearly trust veterans more in that role and guys that can kill penalties than somebody that could potentially give this team a bit of lift in the offensive department. One name to keep an eye on, I want to mention, as far as internal replacements, other than the youngsters I just mentioned, is CJ Cease. I know the team is very high on this kid. And, and you know, his ceiling might just be solid fourth-line energy guy, but he plays his ass off. He plays really hard. I kind of like the way he plays, too. He, you know, I, I think it was two years ago, really stood out during the exhibition schedule. I won't be surprised to see Chevy and Maurice give Cease a shot at earning an open day spot with the club. So as far as maybe under-the-radar names that could start the year in Game 1 for the Jets, I think CJ Cease is somebody to keep an eye on for sure. Now, we should also mention... The most exciting piece of the future here in Winnipeg. And that's young Cole Perfetti, who's coming off one hell of a sparkling AHL campaign in his rookie season. And the question is just, what's on tap for him next year? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows what to expect out of Cole Perfetti next season. I don't even know at this point if he can play in the AHL again next year, or if he has to go back to juniors if he doesn't make the NHL club. So... There's just so much up in the air when it comes to Cole Perfetti that I just think it's foolish to try and, you know, give him a spot or, or pencil him in somewhere in the Jets' opening night lineup because, I mean, on top of just the unknown of a 19, 20-year-old who's only played, you know, a couple dozen professional games, you know, a lot will depend on if Paul Stasny resigns and then what happens in the expansion draft as well. If the Jets don't lose a forward, they lose a defenseman instead, there may not even be room for the kids. So I think we just have to take a wait-and-see approach with Cole Perfetti. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he played some games to start next season, right? You know, you get nine games before the contract becomes official. Just put him in. Maybe he lights it up and, and you never look back. And, and Cole Perfetti plays the next decade-plus as a Winnipeg Jet. Uh, but my best guess, though, is that we don't see Cole Perfetti make an impact at the NHL level until the 2022-23 season. So that takes care of the UFAs and the prospects with the Jets. 
which leads us into one final piece of the puzzle we have to discuss before moving on to potential targets for the Jets this offseason via trader free agency. And that would be one Mr. Andrew Kopp. That's right. Andrew Kopp is an RFA up for negotiation. And everyone's favorite, Kurt Overhart, is back to the table with Kevin Dayoff. I mean, it's well publicized at this point how nasty things got during their arbitration hearing last year. I mean, there's a lot to dive into when it comes to this. I guess just first and foremost is how good is the relationship between the player and the club? And, and I don't know the answer to that. I, I know that, you know, for a fact, we all know it was extremely strained and tenuous after that arbitration hearing last year. And I looked into this, too, after that. I, I was just curious to see, you know, what the turnover was for players in that situation. And I don't know what the numbers are right now, if they've changed at all. But I remember after Andrew Kopp's arbitration hearing that there was something in the neighborhood of 80 to 85%. 80 to 85% of RFAs that went to arbitration with their current team in the next three to five years all moved on to a different club. So, you know, if we're playing the percentages here, you, you kind of wonder if this is, you know, one of the last seasons we see Andrew Cobb play here in Winnipeg, or maybe he's up for departure this offseason. And this has been the final year we see Andrew Cobb play in Winnipeg if that relationship is is too damaged to move forward. Before we get into that part of it, I want to talk about, you know, what to expect, I guess, from a cap hit for Andrew Cobb this upcoming season. I mean, well, it, it obviously changes if we're talking long-term deal or short-term deal. But if you're looking at the season Andrew Cobb had, and it was a hell of a season for him, no doubt about it, his breakout campaign with the Winnipeg Jets playing 18 minutes a night. I mean, Paul Maurice obviously loves the guy. But 39 points in 55 games, you're talking about basically 60 points over the course of 82 games. This is kind of like low-end first-line production out of Andrew Kopp this past year. It's definitely very, very good quality when it comes to second-line players in the NHL. But Andrew Kopp just had a whale of a time this season, and it couldn't have come you know, at, at a better time at that because he set himself up to get paid pretty handsomely either this year or next year when he's set to hit unrestricted free agency. So I looked into some potential comparables for Andrew Kopp People that, you know, maybe they're not in the same roles as him, but ones that put up similar production and what they got paid as an RFA. And we only have to go back to last offseason, actually, to find somebody that's in the same ballpark as Andrew Kopp. And that was Andre Burakovsky with the Colorado Avalanche. So we can get a pretty good sense, I think at least, of, of what to expect as far as what the cap hit for Andrew Kopp will be this season. And it works out nicely, too, because last year this contract was signed while everybody knew the cap was flat. The cap is going to be flat again this season. So I think this particular comparable gives us a really good sense of what Andrew Kopp will likely make this upcoming season. And that player is Andre Burakovsky of the Colorado Avalanche. Burakovsky, the prior season, 45 points in 58 games. So 45 and 58, whereas Kopp had 39 and 55. Burakovsky got a two-year contract out of that with the Avalanche worth $4.9 million per season. So we're talking about a more dynamic offensive player, not by a ton, but you know, still produced at a, at a higher rate 
Whereas Andrew Cobb is, you know, more solid defensively. He has the versatility of playing center and wing. And we saw him get power play and penalty kill time this season. He just he plays in all situations. So maybe that evens it out where Burakovsky is a more dynamic player. Andrew Kopp is a more versatile player. So if Burakovsky gets two years, $4.9 million, I don't know if the Jets are going to get much of a discount off of that, honestly. I mean, 4.5. It's going to start with a 4, I think, either way for the Jets. I think we see Andrew Kopp make somewhere in the neighborhood of $4 million this season. You know, hopefully... From a cap perspective, it's closer to 4 than it is to 4.9. So why don't we just kind of split it in the middle and say realistically, $4.5 million is the most probable cap hit for Andrew Kopp this season. Now, so the money part of it is actually, you know, fairly easy to dissect. Obviously, it changes if it's a long-term deal. You know, if he's getting a 5 or 6-year deal, then we might see that money creep up to five, five and a half million. But... In the meantime, let's just assume that, you know, we're going to see some kind of a, a smaller term deal with Andrew Kopp. The interesting thing is going to be that he's a year away from UFA status. So I wonder how much Andrew Kopp is honestly willing to sign anything longer than a one-year contract at this point. And that's what makes this a really dicey situation for Kevin Dayoff. Because one is just the fact that you sign him to a one-year deal... I think at that point, it's safe to say that Andrew Kopp is going to walk himself right into free agency, and then the Jets would lose an asset for nothing. That's one part of the scenario, and maybe the most straightforward aspect of it. But the other layer to that, and it kind of brings me into my next point here, is we can't ignore the expansion draft either, because as it stands right now, the Winnipeg Jets essentially have to choose between either Andrew Kopp or Mason Appleton. And Mason Appleton is coming off a heck of a campaign himself as well. You know, his breakout entry into the NHL, and we saw him put up a half a point a game essentially this past season, playing primarily on the third line and getting very little, if any, power play time on top of that. So this is the juggling act that Chevy really has to take into consideration here because do you want to keep a guy like Andrew Kopp on the roster if he signs a one-year deal? knowing full well that you could lose Mason Appleton in the expansion draft for nothing, and then Andrew Kopp walks the next season for nothing, and in the span of 12 months, you lose two pretty significant contributors inside your top nine. So I think Kevin Chevaldeoff has to look and, and think about this long and hard, and there's probably going to have to be some difficult discussions had about this. And here's how I would handle the Andrew Kopp situation, honestly. I, I don't know if the Jets are going to go this way or not, but this is, this to me is kind of the, the Bill Belichick way of doing business, right? Like the cold-hearted side of, of sports, you know, moving on from a guy one year earlier than one year too late. I think Kevin Chevalayoff has to find out first and foremost when he talks with Kurt Overhart, which I'm sure he can't wait to do that, is how willing Andrew Kopp is to stay long-term in Winnipeg. And if Andrew Kopp is unwilling to sign some kind of a long-term deal, I'm not even talking like five or six years, but let's just say three or four years even. If Andrew Kopp isn't willing to stay for multiple seasons here in Winnipeg, I think it might be best to move Andrew Kopp in a trade this offseason. You pick up some assets, and that allows you to keep Mason Appleton. 
you don't have to expose him in the upcoming expansion draft, and you don't lose a pretty solid player who's going to be still making under a million dollars next season, and his cap hit is unlikely to be as much as Andrew Copps is moving forward. So it's definitely a tough call, and you know I don't know if it is the, the best way for the Jets to go about this, but I think the question you have to ask yourselves is, are the Jets better off with Andrew Kopp moving forward? You know, whether it's a one-year deal or, you know, a multi-year deal at four and a half to five million dollars, taking up that much of the cap and potentially losing Mason Appleton for nothing. Is that the better spot for the Jets? Or are you better off if Andrew Kopp gets you, let's just say for argument's sake, a second round pick and you have a second round pick and Mason Appleton in the fold for next season? And then a little more cap space to work with as well to improve your blue line. It's it's a very interesting discussion. I don't know what the right answer is. I, I look I know that Andrew Cobb right now is a better player than Mason Appleton. There's no doubt about that. But when you take into account the salary implications as well as the unknown of whether or not Andrew Cobb is willing to sign in Winnipeg long term, I think at least that there's a chance we see number nine moved. And we see some potential draft picks or maybe a prospect, whatever it is. But we see some resources replenished inside the organization. Or maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe, hey, maybe Seattle takes one of the defensemen available and the Jets can have Cop and Appleton for next season, right? I don't know. But I do think that there needs to be a discussion centered around Andrew Cop that if he is unwilling to sign in Winnipeg, maybe it's in our best interest as an organization to recoup a second round pick or a prospect, whatever it may be. And then we just look at a Mason Appleton or we look at a Jansen Harkins that we have in our organization. Since we're all about draft and develop, one of those guys takes over the mantle that Andrew Kopp has performed so admirably in these past couple of seasons. So that's one potential trade that the Winnipeg Jets could be looking at sometime this offseason. Now that we've talked about everybody that's on the roster right now, why don't we move our interests elsewhere, and go around the league to see potential targets for the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to the free agent market and the trade market as well. Since we're talking trades right now, why don't we go to that first and then we'll dive into some free agent categories that we could see the Winnipeg Jets look into in the months ahead. But when it comes to trades, I mean, we let's just get into it. We have to mention it because Jack Eichel is available right now. We all know that. And with everything we've heard from the insiders, it seems like it's a certainty at this point that Jack Eichel is not going to be a Buffalo Sabre next season. We will see him moved to some team somewhere. I don't think it's likely at all that the Winnipeg Jets get him. But I think at the very least, if you're Kevin off, you have to inquire and you have to ask about it. And if there was some kind of an agreement with the Buffalo Sabres and maybe they like something that's here in Winnipeg, you have to give it serious consideration. 100% you do. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois would be a pretty enticing option, right? If you're Sabres management, a 22-year-old center who's had some experience and, and played well as a number one center on a team. So, I mean, the Jets do have some trade chips that might entice Buffalo in a potential Jack Eichel trade. And Chifley Eichel is extremely tantalizing down the middle moving forward. But let's be honest, Eichel to Winnipeg is not happening, so this is kind of a moot point. But I thought I would just bring it up because I know some people out there are going to ask, you know, is there a chance at least, or what could a potential Jack Eichel trade look like? 
I just don't see it happening. I think we see some other teams up the ante a little bit, which is too bad from a Winnipeg perspective because, honestly, I do think we see Buffalo get absolutely fleeced at a Jack Heichel trade this offseason. Some of the some of the rumored proposals out there are extremely low. So, you know, I would like to see the Winnipeg Jets take advantage of that. But I imagine we see a, a quote-unquote bigger market team take the plunge and, and Jack Eichel has a banner year for the team that acquires him this upcoming season. I do, though, have two more realistic trade options for the Winnipeg Jets to look into. It involves a pair of teams, one in the East, one in the West, and I'm kind of going into the Devon Taves trade molds, right? Devon Taves last offseason was traded by the Islanders, not because they didn't like the player, but they had no cap room. And he was an RFA, and they had no choice but to move him for draft picks because they would have had to potentially lose another defenseman, or maybe they can't sign Matt Barzell to a longer-term deal, right? So I tried to find some players that fit that mold, because that also means they do not have no trade clauses, and they cannot reject a trade to the Winnipeg Jets. So that also works in Chevy's favor as well. Now, these aren't big names either, but I don't think the Jets up front are going to search for a big name via trade. But I look over at Pittsburgh, and the Penguins, as always, are right up against the cap going into next season. They're not going to have a ton of cap space. I imagine they want to be somewhat aggressive in terms of making additions and, and trying to make their team better as they enter the twilight years of the Crosby-Malkin era. But there are a pair of RFA forwards that the Penguins have that I think the Winnipeg Jets could potentially poach off their roster because the Penguins can extract some assets as opposed to losing them to the Seattle Kraken for nothing. And that is either or, I'm fine with either of these guys, but Teddy Bluger or Zach Aston-Reese. I don't know how familiar a lot of Jets fans are with these two players. Unfortunately, you know, being a Flyers fan, I've had to watch a fair amount of Aston Reese and Bluger over the past couple of seasons. But they're two pretty damn good players, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, they are really, really effective in the roles that they played with the Penguins. Teddy Bluger had himself a really, really strong year this past year. Zach Aston Reese, maybe not as good as his prior season, but still a good campaign for him. Teddy Bluger was essentially the fourth-line center, a little bit of third-line time for the Penguins this past year. He actually performed at a half-a-point pace over the course of 82 games. So, you know, there's the potential that maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins just don't have the cap space to sign the 26-year-old to a contract. Zach Aston Reese would be more along the lines of a potential winger to suit up beside Adam Lowry on the third line next season. Uh, also an RFA, also 26 years old, a little less offensive production, just 15 points through 45 games this past season, but he is one of the best defensive wingers in hockey. That is not hyperbole. He is one of the best when it comes to defending inside his own zone as a winger in the NHL. And we know the Jets have some problems when it comes to their forwards and their defensive capabilities. Zach Aston Reese is one of the best in the NHL at that. So whether it's on a line with Adam Lowry as a true shutdown line, or maybe even you give him some time up in the top six with some skill, but some defensive responsibility added to that, I think either of those players would be a real nice fit for the Winnipeg Jets. And like I mentioned before, 
no no trade clauses for either of those two players. So something Kevin Chevalier doesn't have to worry about in trying to acquire either one of those guys. The other, we have to go out west and everybody's favorite, the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche have a ton of cap space. So maybe they sign all of their RFA and UFAs, but that cap space will dwindle very quickly because Kale McCarr, as an RFA, is up for negotiation for the first time. And if he signs a long-term deal, that's going to be... It might damn well start with a 10. But that remains to be seen. Kale McCarr is up for negotiation. Their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, is set to hit UFA. I don't think he hits the market, but obviously that's going to uh, take up a sizable portion of their cap. You also have Brandon Saad as a potential free agent. And then Philip Grubauer, who, despite a so-so postseason, is coming off a Vesna nomination. So the Avalanche, whether it's him or someone else, will have to sign a couple of goalies, which will also take up a decent amount of their cap. So I'm looking at a forward that they have, a, a, former, uh, a former top 10 pick, a guy that just hasn't hit his potential with the Avalanche, and that's Tyson Jost, a guy that's got just a ton of skill and for whatever reason hasn't been able to put it all together for the Avs. And it's a guy that I've seen a lot going back to his UND days, but I'm a big fan of Tyson Jost, and I think that, you know, if, say, Andrew Kopp is moved and Paul Stasny doesn't re-sign, and all of a sudden there's a hole in the top six, maybe playing with a Nikolai Ehlers or a Mark Shifley or whatever it may be, maybe that helps to jumpstart and, and kickstart Tyson Jost's career, and maybe he becomes an impact player if the Winnipeg Jets could pry him out of Colorado with a trade. So that's a guy that I think the Jets should be looking into. Plus, I don't think the cost is going to be all that high for the Colorado Avalanche. They're probably just looking for some kind of a mid-round pick because if they don't do that, I imagine Seattle takes Tyson Jost off their hands and they get no asset in return. So a couple of trade targets to keep in mind for the Winnipeg Jets as we move forward here. Maybe some bigger names become available as the insiders get more information leading up to the NHL draft. But in the meantime, I think these are three mid to lower range targets that are very realistic that the Winnipeg Jets can grab and improve their forward core for next season. Now, one last thing to get into before we call it quits today. Let's dive into the UFA market here. I've actually got three categories of players that the Winnipeg Jets will be looking into. And also keep in mind that I'm looking at primarily bottom six options because, again, like I mentioned with the trades, I don't imagine the Winnipeg Jets are looking to bring in a high-end offensive piece, whether it's through free agency or the trade market. So we're looking a little more closer to the bottom of the barrel than we are the cream that rises to the top, if you will. But three categories here, and we'll get to this quickly. We've got hometown heroes, the pipe dreams, and then the realistic targets. So let's save the realistic targets for the end. Why don't we have some fun and talk pipe dreams here, okay? These are the names that 99% we can say that the Winnipeg Jets will not be bringing into the fold next year. But maybe there's a potential fit. And if all the stars align, maybe the Jets get lucky and grab themselves a potential impact piece for next season. So let's have some fun here. The first of these is actually the name that I may be the most intrigued to find out what happens to him this upcoming season. And that's Ryan Getzlaff. Now remember, I said pipe dreams, so don't freak out and at me on Twitter. Actually, you can at me on Twitter. I love responding to everybody, so you can at me if you think I'm crazy. It's all good. But Ryan Getzlaff is a UFA. 
and it's unknown as to what he's going to do this upcoming season. I mean, the smart money is probably that he just signs a short-term deal with the Anaheim Ducks, helps along with the youth movement that they've got going, and either just retires as a longtime franchise duck or at the deadline gets moved and chases another Stanley Cup. But maybe we see Ryan Getzlaff not want to be a part of a rebuild, and he wants to sign with a contending team and take one more run at winning his second Stanley Cup. Now, obviously, there's going to be teams closer to contention than the Winnipeg Jets are. But, I mean, he is a Saskatchewan kid, so maybe in his elder age, he feels the need to come closer to his home in Regina. And and Winnipeg's the closest to Regina, I think, out of all the teams that are available right now. So, I don't know, maybe the hometown push and a chance to win with the Jets is enough to lure him to Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm, I'm reaching. I'm not feeling it now that I'm saying it out loud. That's why he's in the pipe dream category, so it's all good. I mean, he's he's a Cali guy probably more now than a Saskatchewan guy anyways, but it would be cool to imagine a center lineup of Shifley, Dubois, Getzlaff, and Lowry. At the very least, the Jets would be, you know, the league leaders as far as a pickup basketball team if that was the case. It's just, I don't know, it's just fun to think about. I, I, I do wonder where Ryan Getzlaff ends up playing this season. If he hits the UFA market, though, I think the Jets should at least obviously get in touch and, and maybe they can put a pitch together and do the unthinkable. Some other pipe dreams to get into. I wanted this guy last offseason, actually. I thought he might have been a good fit for the Jets before Paul Stasny was brought in. But Mikhail Granlin would have been, I thought, a good fit down the middle at second line center to play alongside his countryman and former Jed Patrick Laine last year. I I don't know if Granlund stays in Nashville, but I don't know if there is ultimately a spot for him with the Winnipeg Jets. But having said that, I think he could fit anywhere on this team, actually. Um, but maybe the cap hit he's looking for prices himself out of Winnipeg. Yoel Armia is another guy. And I, could, I just got to mention him because, honestly, I think he's the most underrated player in the NHL. And it really is a shame the Jets had to move him for cap reasons in that trade to Montreal. So, hey, maybe they can rectify the wrong that they made and bring Armia back to Winnipeg and put him right beside Adam Lowry again and watch the third line cause havoc on everybody. Uh, but I imagine that Armia gets a pretty decent payday because he's having himself a really, really strong postseason with the Canadian. Two other pipe dreams quickly. Guys that I just think bring a different element to the Jets that they don't have up front right now. But again, probably price themselves. Well, look, Zach Hyman definitely prices himself out of Winnipeg. I just like Zach Hyman's game a lot. And I think he would be a good fit stylistically with the Jets. I think his contract is going to be crazy though. And if the rumors are true and he's getting somewhere 5 to $6 million, Winnipeg should stay away from that. But that's a pipe dream that I think is fun to think about. And Blake Coleman as well, an upcoming UFA. I mean, I don't, I don't know if Tampa Bay is going to find another loophole that allows them to spend $150 million on the cap next season. I imagine Blake Coleman moves on from Tampa Bay maybe after they win back-to-back cups. Uh, but that would be a really, really nice piece for the Winnipeg Jets. Again, brings that nice mixture of speed, skill, grit, everything that I think every playoff team is looking for. Blake Coleman would bring that in spades for the Winnipeg Jets. Hometown heroes. We got to mention two of these guys quickly. I've, I've known them actually since we were kids. So, you know, both the Zajax and the Helms have some solid relationships with the Rewikis as well. But 
it sure would be nice and cool to see either Travis Zajac or Darren Helm with the Winnipeg Jets next season. I know people, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, are, are not fans of the, you know, bring a veteran fourth-line center to take over that spot for a season, and then you just fill that with a different veteran the next year. But I will make an exception if it's Travis Zajac or Darren Helm. You know, Zajac is actually playing extremely well right now for the Islanders, and he had a good year with the Devils as well. So despite being 36 years old, he might just have enough left in the tank to give the Winnipeg Jets some decent value on the fourth line next year. So I, I would actually be okay with that one. Darren Helm, he's had his problems with injuries, but, you know, from what I heard, he actually played pretty strongly with the Red Wings last year. And if you're talking about a guy that can bring speed, penalty killing, a Stanley Cup pedigree on top of it, you could do a lot worse than, than getting Darren Helm on your roster. So sentimentally, I would definitely love to see either Zajac or maybe both of them. I would love to see both of them here in Winnipeg next season. Um, but as far as hometown heroes go, I don't know if it could get better than having a Travis Zajac or a Darren Helm on the roster for the Jets next year. That brings us to our final category and maybe the one everyone's most interested in, and that's the realistic targets. So I've got a list here. I don't know if any of these guys would fit the third line mold. I don't like these are probably fourth line players. I think the Jets feel pretty confident that they have, you know, with an Appleton, if he's still with the team, or Cop, Stasny as well, that there's enough players that they can bring in to fill out their top nine as of right now. So these are definitely fourth liners, but guys that maybe could pitch in as well as potential third line players. I think my number one realistic target is going to have to be, again, a guy that I thought the Winnipeg Jets should target last year, uh, but he's up for grabs again this year, and that's Eric Halla. Eric Halla is a really, really intriguing fit for me because he's a guy that can play all throughout your lineup. He's got center and winger versatility, a ton of speed as well. He's shown that he can chip in offensively over the years as well. You know, 21 points in 51 games for Nashville last season is pretty solid still. A guy that can kill penalties on top of it. He's got a ton of speed. It looks at least like his injury issues are are behind him now after he had that pretty devastating knee injury a few seasons ago with the Vegas Golden Knights. But that's a guy that I think would just be a perfect, perfect signing for the Winnipeg Jets. He's not going to cost you that much. You're probably looking in the $1 to $2 million range. Not a lot of term either. He can play either on the third line or center a supercharged fourth line. I really don't see a lot of downside to getting Eric Halla to come to Winnipeg. It's just can Cheveldayoff convince him to sign here. But I think as far as realistic targets, that would be a really, really impressive bottom six piece that the Winnipeg Jets could bring into the fold for very, very little money as well. Some other names that I want to mention. Nick Bukestad who had himself a pretty solid season with the Minnesota Wild. A big-ass dude. I mean, that's the first thing that kind of jumps out to you. He's six foot six, but he still moves pretty well. And he had a really strong season after a so-so campaign with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He might be a little too pricey for the Winnipeg Jets, and, and maybe he's looking to be a third-line center somewhere as opposed to a fourth-line guy in Winnipeg. But having said that, that's still a name that I think is a realistic option for the Winnipeg Jets to shop after, potential bargain buys. You know, Bobby Ryan, before his unfortunate injury at the end of the season, was playing really good hockey 
for the Detroit Red Wings, albeit in a uh, a more prominent role up in their top six. But I think he's still got a decent amount left in the tank. And I think Bobby Ryan would be kind of a sneaky good pickup for some team out there. You know, you're not playing him in your top six or anything like that. But even if you played on the third line for the Jets, or you had him, you know, in a fourth line role, a la Corey Perry to a lesser extent, right? Like somebody that's been a, a star before in this league, but you're having him play further down in your lineup. I think Bobby Ryan would be a sneaky good get for somebody. Wayne Simmons as well showed that he still has a lot in the tank. He actually played pretty well for the Maple Leafs, despite suffering an injury during the regular season. I think at this point, you're probably just looking at Wayne Simmons as a fourth-line player. But I think he's a good fourth-liner, right? Like, despite being 33, I think he brings a ton of value to the fourth line. He's also super physical. One of the nicest, best dudes you could possibly have. Like, all his teammates, whether it's in Philly or in Toronto, absolutely love the guy. And he just plays his ass off every night. I I mean, I could just guarantee if Simmons signs in Winnipeg, he's a fan favorite basically after the first period of game one of the regular season. That's a guy that I've always loved watching play. And I think he would be a nice fit on the fourth line for the Jets next season. Maybe a name that might surprise some people. But I've just, every time I've watched him play, I think there's a lot more to be had. And he's got some skill and some size to him. I I don't know why it hasn't worked for him at the NHL level just yet. But to me, Josh Levo might be a good little bargain buy for the Winnipeg Jets if they want to go that route this offseason. I mean, he doesn't put up a ton of points, but I do know that as far as the analytics go, he's always been a really strong performer in those regards. And even then, like, you look at his past couple of seasons with Vancouver, 18 and 19 points in 49 and 36 games, only 9 points in 38 games with the Calgary Flames this past season. I mean, he's not going to cost you all that much. I guess that's why I kind of bring him up here. But as far as fourth liners go, I just think he's got way more skill than the average fourth liner. And I think, you know, potentially there might be something that could be unwrapped if the Winnipeg Jets could bring him into the full next season. As far as players on the low end of the pay scale, I wouldn't mind seeing Josh Levo wear a Winnipeg Jet jersey next season. The final one, and this is a big maybe for me still, And I'm kind of surprised that I would, you know, maybe like to see him in a fourth-line role for the Winnipeg Jets next season. But Brandon Sutter is kind of an intriguing name to me, right? Like, he was paid way too much money and given way too much ice time in Vancouver. But that's not necessarily Brandon Sutter's fault, right? Like, it wasn't, I mean, of course he's going to sign the deal that he's being offered, even though he was paid too much money. But I just wonder that if you put him in a role that's maybe more reasonable for him and that would be as a fourth line center he's not all that old I don't know I I think the Jets have done worse in the past than a guy like Brandon Sutter on the fourth line and I've always been a big fan a big proponent you know when it comes to signing guys on your fourth line and I could be way off base on this one but I like giving former top 10 picks former high-end first round picks a chance in your bottom six because then they're maybe not feeling the pressure that they have in the past to produce and perform at an extremely high level. And you're still getting all the skill and the talent that teams saw in that player that led them to being drafted so high in the first place. And Sutter was the 11th overall pick a number of years ago, I believe with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I don't know, that might be a guy that, I don't know if you call it a bounce back or a resurgence, 
Brandon Sutter, though, might be kind of a sneaky under-the-radar pickup for the Winnipeg Jets. Just another name for us to keep an eye on as we head into free agency, which isn't really all that far away now because June's pretty much wrapped up and there's just not a lot of time in the offseason until the regular season next year gets back underway. So we'll call it quits here for this episode. We're back on Friday. Obviously another food interview to get for you guys. But I do want to say that hit me up on Twitter for this one because on Friday's episode, I want to get your reactions to all of my comments about the Jets forward core and what should be done, what shouldn't be done, everything this upcoming offseason. So hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki, R-E-W-U-C-K-I, or the podcast at Skates Plays Pod. And let me know what you think about what I said. You know, should Andrew Kopp potentially be a trade target? Is there a name on the Jets that you would like to see maybe moved on from? Is there somebody you would like to see brought into the fold? You know, do you agree with what I said? Do you think there's a name out there that I didn't mention that you would love to be a part of the Winnipeg Jets next season? Whatever it may be, when it comes to the forward core this offseason, we were going to get to all of your thoughts to kick off Friday's episode. So make sure... You hit me up on Twitter and I'll get to each and every one of your replies. And then, like I mentioned, we'll get into a, another fantastic food interview to close out the week. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.